0: This afternoon, I will preach you the Word of God as it is summarized and confessed by the church in Lord's Day 4. In my time of quarantine and isolation, the elders were leading the services and they uh, read sermons on Lord's Days 1, 2, and 3, so I'll continue here now with Lord's Day 4. And here the church confesses But does not God do man an injustice by requiring in his law what man cannot do? No, for God so created man that he was able to do it. But man at the instigation of the devil, in deliberate disobedience, robbed himself and all his descendants of these gifts. Will God allow such disobedience and apostasy to go unpunished? Certainly not. He is terribly angry with our original sin, as well as our actual sins. Therefore, he will punish them by a just judgment, both now and eternally, as he has declared. Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Galatians 3, verse 10. But is God not also merciful? God is indeed merciful, but he is also just. His justice requires that sin committed against the Most High Majesty of God also be punished with the most severe, that is, with everlasting punishment of body and soul. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Most people think it's important that criminals pay for their crimes in one way or another. If it isn't done through the court system, people will often find another way to make sure someone pays for hurting them. For some reason, we feel better when a person who has done something wrong is punished. It would seem that human beings who need to live together have a deep seated love for justice. However, although everyone agrees that justice is a good thing, not everyone agrees about what law should be upheld or what constitutes a crime. Many people in the world today are only willing to submit when they agree with the laws, and so they've become a law unto themselves. You can read about that in Psalm 58, for example. There are people who are only willing to submit if they agree with the laws of the land. But if they disagree with the laws of the land, then they feel it is an injustice for the police to enforce these laws. They feel that it is wrong to have to have to submit. And the same is often true with God's law. If people disagree with God's law, then they feel that God's ambassadors are wrong to demand these things. And that God is not good if he judges them according to these laws. In today's world, we see truth is very relative. It's often determined about how people feel about things. And to make matters worse in our society, people believe that if someone disagrees with something that they are doing, such people are attacking them personally, trying to remove their very identity from the world in which they live. You can see then that the Christian confession, Lord's Day 4, but the broader Christian confession concerning the justice of God is not readily received by our society. Sometimes our confession about God's justice can even make us feel a little embarrassed if we try to explain it to someone else. Christians believe that a sovereign, Holy, good, and just God created the heavens and the earth, and the truth that he has established is reflected in his most holy laws that he has given to us in his word. And we believe that God judges the actions of every person based on his laws, and that ever since the fall into sin, no one is capable of keeping his laws. Christians believe, just as we we confessed together, that God's justice requires that sin committed against the Most High Majesty of God also be punished with the most severe, that is, with everlasting punishment of body and soul. We believe that this is the picture of true justice. We believe it is a beautiful revelation of the wonderful character of our God and the source of all hope for those who are saved in Jesus Christ. To preach about God's justice is to preach the gospel, which I bring to you this afternoon under the following theme, God's justice serves to uphold all that is good. We'll see the He upholds then the perfection of his creation, the truth of his revelation, and the eternal joy of his church. When God judges all creatures, he takes into account that when he created all things good, he also gave his creatures everything they needed to praise him forever. He had created people without sin. He had endowed these creatures with with intelligence, with purpose, with bodies that were equipped to worship him. He had ensured that his creatures lived in a relationship of peace with with him, with, with God, and with their neighbor. He had even given his creatures a free will so that their love could be genuine. He had enriched them with everything that the human body could possibly want, work and relationships, family and knowledge of justice and holiness. God did not create junk. In fact, he made creatures that were perfectly fit to keep his laws and to live in eternal fellowship with him. In order to see And appreciate God's justice, we need to understand the history, the the order of all things. When God gave his mandate, that mission that he gives to every person he created, he also gave people the capability of keeping his mandate, of of fulfilling the mission. He was right to expect submission, joy, love, and worship. He's also just to punish evil. When the Bible tells us that God punishes all those who rebel against him, all those who refuse to live according to the order that he has established, it shows us that the Lord was sincere in his purpose from the very beginning. Our creator is the same yesterday, today, and forever you could see the very end of Jude 25, speaking of God and that doxology, those, those praise words, before all time and now and forever. Human beings were made specifically for the task and pleasures that God had ordained for us. And since the purpose of creation was perfect from the beginning, and men and women were made perfectly fit to fulfill their purpose Anything different that might come up afterward would would necessarily be something that is worse. Nothing different than God's will could be good. Anything less would only mean that our lives would become more miserable. Any, Any lower expectations would only lead to a life of futility. In his letter, when Jude calls the church to watch out for wicked people who were trying to sneak into the church to mislead believers away from God, he is very clear that the kingdom of God is good and wonderful. In the purity of God's church, and just looking at the first four verses of of that letter, the church that God calls to himself, we are beloved in God the Father— and kept for Jesus Christ, where we live each day in his mercy and love and peace. The faith that was once for all delivered to the saints declares that the grace of God and the Master and, and, and our Master and Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us life so that we might continually live in that beautiful fellowship. Verse 14 reminds us that we are part of a kingdom in which there are ten thousands or myriads of his holy ones. Verse 21 reminds us that, that we have God, the Holy Spirit, dwelling in our hearts and keeping us in the love of God and the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for all eternity. God executes his justice to defend that blessed life that he has created for us as we live with him. His justice is very good. And it is then pure foolishness to wish that God would change his requirements for people who had fallen into sin. That's sort of what the question uh, 10 is asking. Will God allow such disobedience and apostasy to go unpunished? And we could, we could ask, why do you even wanna ask that question? If God catered to our desires, and encouraged people to live by laws that we, in our fallen selves, made uh, laws we made for ourselves, he would be saying that the way that he created things wasn't so good after all. He would be lying. He would be untrue to himself. He would be allowing the devil who hates us to have his way. Our self-deprivation, our our robbing ourselves of all our good gifts, like we confess in Lord's Day 4, can in no way change who God is. And we don't want it to change who God is. Our wickedness will not change God's eternal laws. That's a, a gospel message. And his laws reflect and will continue to reflect his glory in how he made the world. And if we believe the doxology of Jude, the very last verses, if we believe that is, that is true and that glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever belong to God for his holy justice, we can only praise him for his holy justice. For it leaves no doubt in our mind that God is truly divine. To see God's justice is to see his holiness, to see that he is outside of creation, that he is the only way to joy and satisfaction. Since after the fall into sin and the curse makes it, it's hard for us to see the goodness of God's creation. In his grace, God has explained things very clearly to us. God's justice serves to, uphold the truth of his revelation. Now, when a parent or a teacher carefully explains what their expectations are, and then also carefully explains the consequences for disobeying their orders, then we can all agree that it is very just and even expected for that parent or teacher to enforce their their rules. In the same way, the fact that our holy God and creator has revealed his will to us, together with the consequences for disobedience, it makes it very clear that his justice is good. A quick look at our own bodies and a a, a study of our minds makes it very clear that God has created us, male and female, to be fruitful and to have dominion over all creatures, like we read in Genesis. Even those who don't have the Bible know intuitively that life is all about work and relationships and service. They know their role, they know why God has made them. Besides revealing himself in general revelation, God has also given the world his special revelation through the Bible. In the Bible, he has showed us how he wants us to live when he gave us the Ten Commandments. And once again, even those who do not have the written law, they know intuitively that we were created, we were made to love God and to love one another. God is just because he doesn't surprise us with his expectations. Even though we are unable to be perfectly righteous ever since the fall, we aren't surprised by the kind of life that he wants us to live. We can even see that his commandments will ultimately lead lead us into joy and peace, and that his justice serves to uphold all that is good. A country where there is anarchy and violence, quickly understands and appreciates the blessing of justice and the rule of good laws. God's justice is good because he is holy and he has announced his holiness. And those who persist in sin against him can actually are persisting while they know exactly what the consequences of their actions are. God has made it all very clear. God's revelation, make his holy justice, judgments fair. And so when Jude warns the churches of the coming judgment of God in his, in his letter, he spends a lot of time showing us that this is what God has always done. You'll notice that Jude, in verse 5, he uses the word remind. Jude reminds the churches that God is consistent in his punishment of all those who, it's verse 4, who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality, and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. And then you can follow along in verse 5, even after saving a people out of the land of Egypt, there was a punishment that followed for unbelief. Jesus destroyed those who did not believe. It continues on in verse 6, fallen angels, are kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. God's clear revelation continues. Look at verse 7. Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities were punished by God for indulging in sexual immorality and pursuing unnatural desire. Enoch, verses 14 to 15, prophesied a warning of the coming judgment on all and the conviction of all the ungodly, of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. We have this very clear revelation telling us the consequences of ungodliness. It's pretty clear. That everyone can know that the wages of sin are death. And with this, it's very clear that he would not be holy God if he did not keep his word. As we see that it, it brings us to our knees again to praise God for who he is, for his justice. If the God who says in Galatians 3 verse 10, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them, If that God does not fulfill his word, what kind of God would we be left with? Not only did he make everything good, but he also warned us about all the problems that wickedness and rebellion would bring into our lives. He told us about the punishment of hell. No one will call God unfair on judgment day but rather everyone will be led, compelled to praise him for his faithfulness to his covenant promises. There is no reason whatsoever to be ashamed of the justice of God, to to speak about this justice openly, especially when we see how important God's justice is for the eternal joy and well-being of his people. Jude was urging the church. He felt it a very important thing, not just to write about common salvation, but even more in verse 3, to contend for the faith. And he felt it so important because when the justice and truth of God are not upheld, it can have disastrous consequences for the people of God, for, for the church, especially when ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into sensuality And deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ when they're creeping unnoticed into the church. And look what Jude calls such people. He calls them uh, arrogant, sensual, blasphemers. And then he goes through with uh, a list, verses 12, uh, 13, and and 16. He calls us these people, these wicked people who are creeping into the church. He calls them hidden reefs at your love feasts. You can compare that to unseen dangers. They're not noticed until you bang up against them. He calls them shepherds feeding themselves. In a picture of an abuse of, of power, reminds you of Ezekiel 37. He calls them waterless clouds swept along by the wind. And so the people were hoping for rain, but there was no water in the clouds. And so you can see that they were giving hope, but they were actually beyond, uh, beyond. they were actually useless. They weren't helpful to others. He calls them wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame. Those who disturb the peace with their shameful acts. And I skip the, the fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted. He's referring to these wicked people sneaking in as, as dead weight who were really beyond help. He calls them wandering stars. And you can maybe think back about the, the picture of the angels who left their proper dwelling. They were rebelling against their given places. And then finally he calls them grumblers and malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loud-mouthed boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. And as we reflect on what these kinds of people could do to a congregation, we see how urgently we long for justice. All these descriptions make us see how gracious our Lord Jesus is to command us in Matthew 18 to remove such sinners from our midst with church discipline. And then Jude's message, how good God is that he promises to remove such rebels from his eternal kingdom. And then we can can compare that. You can imagine the eternal kingdom with, with the picture of of Jude extended for all eternity or the picture of the kingdom where God's justice maintains the purity of all that he has promised. And we can see then the goodness of God's justice when we understand how horrible our sins are, our own sins, and how damaging they are to everything that God created good. We and everyone around us, and we confess that we are corrupted with both original and actual sins. God's holiness is the only pure and holy thing we will ever see in our lives. It is only in God's justice that we can have any hope for true and lasting joy. If God did not keep his word to punish those who hate him, who suppress the truth and persist in unrighteousness, the rebellious and the wicked who, who already now might be sneaking in into the, into the congregation of the f- faithful, they will be able to continue to ruin every good thing that God has created. And then it makes us ask the question do you want to see your own sins remain with you for all eternity? Do you want to keep suffering at the hands of wicked people when you're in heaven? Would you look forward to a new heaven and a new earth where the consequences of the fall just kept continuing to plague you with tears and and, and, and mourning and pain? Would you want to be continually hindered in your worship of God by your own sinful nature, by a divided heart? Do you see how important it is for the universe, for the eternal kingdom of God, that he is a God that does not clear the guilty, as we read in Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7, but punishes all who persist in their sins for the generations. And the announcement of God's justice also gives us a picture of that home of righteousness that he is preparing for the faithful. And we see it. He wants his church to enjoy what is good. He wants us to walk around in paradise restored, living without any fear or anxiety and in complete peace and joy in fellowship with our Father. And that's why he has promised that all hypocrisy and all falsehood will one day be destroyed. All who, and referring to Jude again, all who cause divisions, worldly people and those devoid of the Spirit will not be there in the eternal life that Christ Jesus has obtained for us. And Jude then urges the church, saying in verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. You never have to be ashamed of your confession of God's justice. In fact, you can hold it up as a model for this world, even as it muddles its way in its attempt to deal with, with its attempt to figure out how to deal with crimes. When we see the justice of, of God Almighty, we realize that nothing people might do will ever come close to that justice that he has revealed. There is no question that the crimes that he punishes which we call sin, cause harm to the life and well-being of every created thing, whether land or plant or beast or human. There is no question that the laws he upholds are laws that protect a good and harmonious creation and bring glory to the creator in perfect fulfillment of exactly what we were created to do. There is no question that God's punishment serves the restoration of everything that is good and right and pure. There can be no question about the perfection of God's motives, the goodness of his purpose, or the result of his judgments. And although we believe that everyone deserves eternal condemnation, there is also no question about his wisdom his understanding and his mercy the mercy of our great judge and it's in his mercy that we find hope for his mercy comes with the promise that whoever believes in Jesus Christ can receive all the benefits of his justice that's that heavens and earth without fear or pain or, or mourning we can receive all the benefits of his justice without receiving any of the punishment that we deserve. The Lord willing, we'll look at this more next week, but the good news is that even sinners who have rebelled against God in their lives can experience the mercy of this great and perfect judge in Jesus Christ. The Lord was so eager for his creatures to enjoy the goodness that he had created That in his mercy he had compassion on all of us who had just robbed ourselves and all our descendants of the very gifts he had given to us. In his amazing grace he sent his only begotten son to rescue us from the eternal danger that we had plunged ourselves into. When his son stood in our place before God the Father, God demanded of Jesus all the requirements of his law. He he is firm in his justice. And Jesus obeyed this law without missing anything. And he did that in the place of everyone who believes in him. In his holiness, God demanded that his justice be satisfied for all the sins that his creatures had committed against him. Satisfied, punished with an eternal punishment. That's what we confess in Lord's Day 4. Well, our Lord Jesus Christ hung on a cross to bear that punishment that we deserved. When we believe in Jesus Christ as our substitute and Savior, it's like being snatched right out of the the fires of hell to dwell in eternal fellowship with the God who made everything very good eternal fellowship, where there will no longer be any doubts or fears or garments stained by the flesh, because the holy God, who is just in his judgments, will truly remove all that is wicked and rebellious from his sight. And finally, that deep-seated longing for justice in our hearts will be satisfied. And we will bow before the majestic judge and glorious king who showed us that he is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. And then we see it. God's justice is good. God's justice brings us joy. God's justice in his mercy leads us to to praise him now and forevermore. Amen.